This is the London Live Podcast. Listen live weekdays from 1 to 3 on 980 CFPL. Well, welcome to the studio, Kim Vanderskelde. And Kim, we're going to talk about so many different things from political platforms to where research money for cancer is actually going to what you could even call injustices happening to children. But why don't we just start with your story? Yeah, so uh, our daughter, Olivia, was not even two years old when she was diagnosed with cancer and uh, a brain tumor. And at the time, you know, they tell us okay, surgery and chemotherapy and you put all your faith in doctors. Doctor, they're great, right? They're They're doing what they can with the tools that they have. But no one ever sat us down and said, just so you know, you know, the pamphlet, the little packages you get with your medication that says, you know, these are side effects, may have, these are less likely, but watch for this. There's none of that. So she went through two uh, years of weekly chemo. And again, I was shocked because I, I'd had adults in my family that um, had chemotherapy and, you know, a few treatments, you know, a few months. And they're sitting at the same 50 weeks. I'm like, five zero? Are you, like, is that even possible? And some of these kids are going for treatment for three years or more. So anyway, ha- and here we are. I'm, like everything is just uh, in a fog. We're in a fog. So, you know, do whatever you have to do to save her, her life. Obviously, what are you going to do? If we had to said no, you, you can't do it, then other authorities would have stepped in and yeah. made those decisions. There so is not, no alternative. You don't have a choice, right? People sometimes say to me, well, you didn't have to do it. Well, yeah, I did have to do it on very different levels. I had to do it. So um, fast forward, you know, she got through uh, chemotherapy. It wasn't easy. There was lots of um, instances of called neutropenia. So when a child goes through chemotherapy, their uh, ability to fight uh, infection goes down. So a fever means automatically 48 hours in the hospital at least usually goes weeks in the hospital because it turns – if there's an infection, then they have to – they can't just send you home. It's IV antibiotics. Lots of that, lots of scary episodes, you know, where we, times where she got a fever and within a few minutes, we on Christmas Eve actually of 2006, we thought we lost her. It, she went from having the fun playing in her little new house, the little kitchen we got her, to unconscious in a matter of 10 minutes. So it was petrifying. So how do you how, what do you see what's happening with her when that's taking place? She's playing in her house She's and then She's playing and then I remember my husband saying, you know, picking up to change her diaper and saying, "Well, she seems kind of warm." And then he took her into the bedroom to change her and then yelled for me to call 911 and brought her to the kitchen and she was unconscious. It was it was it was petrifying. And you feel very much alone. You think I'm the only one that's going through this because you don't hear about it. Right? You don't. It's something that we don't want to talk about. We avoid until it happens to you and you can't. So we got through the two years of uh, weekly chemo and we thought, oh, hey, we did it. She survived. She's, she, she's one of those. Um, she's in the survival um, statistics now. Thank God. We can and did you get us. that from doctors where you, you sat down and doctors said, OK, we've, we've finished this. Here's the the state of the tumor. Was the tumor the gone? Tumor is, at that point, was um, still there, but pretty much gone. Um, what was left now was a cyst that kind of took over the space that the tumor um, had taken. So we left feeling comfortable that you know this was the end. Sure, there were some little odd little times where we thought, oh no, some of the glitches or what have you. But all in all, on a cancer standpoint. 
we felt that this was something that we could we could put behind her. Now she had those yearly, you know, follow ups and MRI. Actually, I shouldn't say um, yearly. Every few months, she'd have MRI. And then I'm going to say to beginning of uh, 2018, she developed back pain, like severe back pain. It was it was debilitating. And so finally, we ended up taking her to the hospital. She spent two weeks in the hospital because I'm thinking it's back. It has to be back, right? How can a child be require morphine for pain when she was 13 at that time? How how is that possible? There has to be something very obvious that is there, and so your your mind goes to that the worst place. And they couldn't find anything. I'm like, well, there has to be something. <laughs> and then somebody said to me, well, it could be the late-term effects of chemotherapy. And I'm like, well, no. It's like I had, I knew probably just from um, ca- casual conversations that um, maybe when she wanted to have children that that may be an issue. But I was more understanding that was more of a radiation thing. So I- I'm like, so I started to do some Googling <laughs> They say don't Google. I, I don't agree with it because <laughs> I learned a How lot from not? Googling. So I started reading about these late-term effects, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, what, Why is this happening? And then I started to look into when these drugs were developed. And the drugs that she was given, some of them were developed in the 50s. So, so wait a minute. We're, we're talking about a little two-year-old yes. undergoing chemotherapy, and you get – these horrible after effects of pain. You said she was 13 at that yeah. time. Mm-hmm. So 11 years apart. And we'll talk about some of the other things that have gone on too. Kim Vanderskelde is with us in studio as we talk about her daughter, Olivia. And we're going to look at these chemotherapy drugs pretty closely as well. So these chemotherapy drugs that she was taking, some of them developed in the 50s. You, yes. The calendar's still showing we're in the 2000s here. We're talking 1950s. Yeah, someone hasn't got the message. <laughs> okay. Now, they they did, in a way, keep your daughter alive because yes. the, they, they were successful. Do we look at it that way? We look at it as a way of um, uh, survival came at a great cost. Okay. So you look up and you find that maybe this is after effects of chemotherapy. Then what do you do? Well, it was actually it was it was a rabbit hole. I so I'm thinking, why is this happening? Like, who's doing the research? And then I started to look into uh, why isn't research being done? And then I discovered that wait a minute. So th- our federal government is giving to the Canadian Institutes of Health Research funding for um, cancer research, and out of that entire budget, only three point three percent is going to children's cancer research. So out of all the cancer um, funding, only 3.3% is going to kids. How, of, of course, nothing's getting done, right? So then I got angry. I'm looking at my daughter, who just even today, she's she's 14. I left the house this morning. She's curled up on the bathroom floor beside the toilet because she has such chronic nausea. And, and all of has all of this just kind of come on in the last... No, the chronic nausea has gotten worse, but has been there pretty much steadily through, which okay. I just attributed to, you know, she had a brain tumor. Like, there's, you know, it didn't surprise me. It was my heart breaks for her. But I honestly thought that this is just like a, a side effect of having a brain tumor or what's left of a very tiny one. <laughs> yeah. What other side effects has Olivia dealt with? 
so she, it's neuropathic pain, neuropathic pain. So she, I remember the first time she actually said anything. She was very little, and she used to say to us, "Squeeze my toe as hard as you can. Squeeze my toe." And as hard as we could push, she would still say, "No, harder, harder, harder." And it was it, we didn't know why, she, but it was she would call it a ticking sensation that she would get. It's like the clock, mommy. It's like the clock. So it, it turns out it's neuropathic pain. And now Olivia's tumor again is set in her brainstem. So we thought again, it's just it's from the um, the tumor itself, and especially where it is. So yeah. So then we get to this all this information overload. And I'm like, what do I do with it? How can I just sit back as a mom and for, and not fight for my, not necessarily for Olivia, because honestly, everything I'm trying to do, I couldn't, it's not going to help Olivia. And it's not going to help the, you know, the, kid, the kids right now that are fighting. It's going to help the kids that, and families that don't know their children are going to be diagnosed. We are joined in studio by Kim Vanderskelde. And if you're just joining us, Kim's daughter, Olivia, was diagnosed with cancer at the age of two and successfully beat cancer. But she's experiencing things that will possibly last a lifetime. Kim, let's talk about what it was that helped Olivia to beat her cancer. Let's talk about chemotherapy drugs. We have adult-sized shoes that don't fit kids. We have... Adult-sized forks or adult-sized cups. Kids struggle to deal with those. Are there similarities when it comes to chemotherapy drugs? Absolutely. It's, it certainly cannot be a one-size-fits-all. It just it, it doesn't make any sense. It's so for me, the only thing I could think of to do was to turn to the people that were making doing the funding. I th- you asked how many drugs there are for kids. I actually don't know how many there are for kids, but I know in the last 70, 70, 70 years, there's only been three new ones developed. And now I belong to a started support group here just in um, southwestern Ontario. And have just I have there's 100 moms. I call It's our mama warriors. <laughs> I don't want to rule out dads, but it's the mama warriors. And there's 100 of us. And when we talk about the, the chemotherapies that have been developed for kids, no one seems to – they're not familiar to any of these parents. So how often are they being used? It doesn't seem um, that often. And that's because they're probably more specific to maybe, um, who knows, I'm guessing, rare cancers. I don't know the answer. Right. But um, so my answer was to – well, my solution is ask for answers. Why isn't this being done? So I started out by um, starting a petition, getting that uh, tabled in uh, by Kate Young, uh, in the house back in April, I believe it was, and I filed a human rights complaint, um, thinking that okay, age discrimination because she's not she's missing out on, you know, over ninety six percent of the funding. It was basically, Do I think anything will come of it? I don't know. <laughs> but you got to do it. But you got to do it because I had to bring some attention to what's happening, right? So then, um, then I wanted to meet um, Justin Trudeau because I I wanted to hear from him that he was aware of the funding. And I wanted to answer, I want to know, like, is this something that you're going, <laughs> that you're going to um, fix? Like, it just mean, makes sense to me. And when I asked, he was coming to London in July, and I actually um, didn't believe I would get a, um, a meeting with him. And I did. I did. I, so we, he spent at least 10 minutes sitting and talking with me and my husband about all this. And he agreed at that point that 5% wasn't enough. And I remember at that point, like, there was an election coming up. Like, why aren't you doing something now? Because, you know, Canadians are going to be 
A, yes, when they find out how little is going to childhood cancer, they're going to be appalled. Yeah. But there's no one to you. There's you. You can't just blame one party because it's been historically happening for so long. So change it. Do something. And he was he was wonderful. I mean, he was he was very nice and uh, said that it, it was something that they were going to look into. You know, I did. I feel that perhaps I was getting the political um, answer. Maybe what I wanted to hear at the time. Maybe yeah. I left thinking, and maybe we all have that little bit of doubt when it comes to politicians. Then um, so my goal was let's talk to all the all the leaders, especially with the election coming up. So I set out to meet with Andrew Shear, and so. <laughs> Met him at a, um, I guess you call it a rally a couple of weeks ago, and uh, he agreed to talk to me. So he invited me on the campaign bus, and we and we chatted. And he said, you know, um, after the election, we're going to meet. We're going to we'll have a lengthy conversation about this. And then on Sunday, I get a call from Kate Young saying that uh, the uh, Liberals' uh, election platform had come out, and on page fifteen, she read it to me, was that. The liberals are committing thirty million dollars to uh, an increase of thirty million dollars to the childhood cancer research. What was it like to hear that? Well, so I work in a little store, and customers were moving their children away from me. <laughs> I just, you know, it's I knew from the phone number that it was um, it was someone from the government. So either you know I was being arrested, or <laughs> oh no, that's yeah. That was yesterday. Revenue Canada is apparently coming to arrest me. But um, yeah, so she told she started to read to me their platform. This page fifteen. Fifteen is now my favorite number, or maybe thirty million. But <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I started to cry. And you know, sure, people are like, "Oh, it's just a promise." They make promises, and I'm like, you know, I don't want to make it political. I, it should be a nonpartisan issue. So I'm like, okay, so what happens if we – why can't we just – why can't I go to all the um, people, all the, the um, party leaders and say, look at – there's 85, 86 pages to that um, platform. You have so many other things that I'm sure that you can pick about. Can we just all agree that this is this is the right thing to do and say, okay, you know, if we are voted in, we're going we're, we're gonna to commit to this too. Wouldn't that be that be historical, and it and it seems like the right thing to do. So that's my goal now is to get some feedback from you know the NDP, the Conservatives, and the Green Party. Kim Vanderskelder with us. This this that's that's an amazing success story, and I mean there's so much more success that could still come. I think most of us listening right now are probably sitting back thinking, I still can't believe that this was going on. I. I don't know why there aren't more parents saying, "Hey, this why? Why is this why is this happening?" When you talk to parents in the group that you put together, is it something that they've known about for a long time and have just said, "Well, that's we'd rather care for our child instead of try and fight for the future?" Or what do they say to you? I think number 1 is and I think maybe part of the reason why things have gone on as long as they have is that we we live in denial. We don't want to think about our kids having cancer. So the parents of healthy children aren't getting up in the morning saying thank God that my child doesn't have cancer, right? They're going about their day and then when they hear about a child with cancer, they they want to push it out of their mind because it's uncomfortable. Families that are faced with cancer are exhausted. Yeah. Right. It's it's all consuming. There is not a part of your life that it doesn't get into. So but yes, it's it's a big, huge topic. Uh, I started um, a Facebook page 
Um, and I really didn't expect much from that. It was just my place to, to rant, I guess. And uh, last week I, I made a post that had almost 200,000 um, interactions with it. And the majority of the people that are interacting are uh, families that are affected by childhood cancer. And it's important and they're mad. And the people that do, so like yourself, like what do you mean? Almost doubtful, like this can't be right. These these numbers can't be right. What you're saying cannot be right. And and it is. So, but if it's only the parents, the tired and the exhausted parents that speak up, what's going to get done? Right? They don't have the energy left. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you a, a story because um, some people say to me, why do you do it? If it's not going to really... I, I go to school full time. You know, I have three children. Why? Why do you do it? And um, aside from Olivia, I I'll tell you about one girl. Her name's Layla. And uh, when I was, I call it worth more. Hashtag worth more than five. And uh, she sent me a picture of her holding a sign that said hashtag worth more than five. And here's this twelve year old. I think she was eleven at the time. Actually, little girl that is in the the depths of chemotherapy, and all those nasty, nasty instant side, um, side effects. And she's sending me this picture. Layla is in um, hospice. And unfortunately, any day, um, she'll pass away. And so I'm doing it for kids like her. Yes, I'm doing it for my daughter. I'm doing it, but I, I'm doing it for all the... I've been to so many children's funerals. Like, it's just... Every time I'm standing at a fun- child's funeral, I think this is so wrong and how can we just sit back and ignore it there has we have to do something we have to stand up we have to unite we have to get parents of healthy children to say this is important and here's the perfect time so start asking questions and you know start social media is huge now right so let's let's keep this going and let, let's get some answers from the uh, party leaders we've had a conversation with kim vanderskelde and it's about treating childhood cancer. It's about an election issue that really is becoming an election issue. It's about getting information out that you wouldn't even think was true, but is. The idea that chemotherapy drugs have such a toll on children as they age and that this one-size-fits-all approach can't be the right way of doing things. And research dollars are under 5% of the total for research dollars overall. Kim, because we're heading toward an election, there is a chance now to make a difference. You've said it. The Liberals have put changes to child cancer research funding in their platform. You've been able to follow the campaign. You've spoken to Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. You've spoken to Conservative leader Andrew Scheer. What are you seeing and hearing from the parties? Sometimes I feel like I'm reading the National Enquirer. Like, it just... I'm like, I don't want to know about that. I want to know about, you know, the things that matter. Really, what are you going to really do? Matter. Yeah, what are you going to do? So I, I people say, who are you going to vote for? Well, I want to know. I want to, please answer me, right? The conservatives respond to this. The, the Green Party, NDP, respond to this. Tell us, you know, because that's going to matter. And so I started a petition, and uh, I think it's sitting at just under 63,000 signatures. That's 63,000 people. That's a lot of votes. Yeah. That's 63,000 people that are waiting to hear. That's a lot of votes. That's right. That sways things in certain spots. Can you imagine, right? And maybe they don't realize that. But if you think of how many parents you know, can you imagine if we all got on board and said, okay, 
we need to talk about this. We need yeah. to make this an issue. Um, someone posted something lately about the uh, the carbon tax, and it, and I'm not saying whether I agree or disagree with it. I could, honestly, I don't even understand it. But they were talking about how they're um, they're it affected their bu- their heating budget or something by twenty three dollars a month or something. Mm-hmm. Like that. For probably like, twenty three dollars a year, even. Yeah, I'm thinking. Oh my gosh, I pay that a week in parking when I go for all the doctor's appointments. Like, just it. We have to look at this. Look at us as if your child had just been diagnosed. Yeah. Would you be sitting back and doing nothing? Of course no. you wouldn't. So yeah, it's we have to do something. We're letting these kids down. Yeah, and I, we're all to I, blame. I think we're all. Yeah, you're right. We're all to blame. Yes. Everybody's to blame. Yeah. And the idea that we haven't known. That this was the kind of thing that would be going on, that Olivia, your daughter, is dealing with pain to the extent she is, chronic nausea to the extent she is. Oh, and not to mention, like, her, uh, she's, the learning challenges are just... And that's chemotherapy-based as well. Yes, anxiety, um, depression, and these are just things that have touched her and affect her life on a daily, um, uh, daily basis. But... These drugs are affecting kids' hearts, and we've had kids um, in our community that have died not from cancer, but from the treatment. That's wrong. Yeah. Something is so wrong. Yeah. Well, it's not something we know. <laughs> we know what's wrong. Yeah. But if we all sit back and do nothing, it's, I call it a flash in the pan. You see something, and you think, oh, that's sad, and then you go on with your day. Oh, sure. We lose our attention spans, lose yeah. whatever it is that was with us 20 minutes ago, 10 minutes ago, 2 minutes ago. Exactly, but I'll tell you, when you're when you're looking at your child curled up on the bathroom floor because of a drug that you let her them give her, you know, and you didn't ask questions because you didn't know to ask questions— I'm here to tell, I'm here, I am the warning. <laughs> I am the poster mom of warning saying this can happen to you. And here's your. Here's our opportunity as Canadians to change things. We'll never have this opportunity again. If things don't change now, given, you know, this announcement, there's never, from what I could research, there's never been on any um, election platform anything about childhood cancer. So already his, it's historical. Here is our opportunity. Our foot's in the door. Now we really need to, you know, open that door and get people talking about it. And when we look politically, I mean, what is what's the purpose of even having a political party? Is to try and run things in if you get into power in the best way possible. Why wouldn't you have okay? Whoever gets in, we're doing this like yeah. this because it's the right thing to do. Whoever gets in, this is not about me beating you or us grabbing this number of seats in this particular area of the country. This is about doing the right thing. That's right, and you know it's 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 perplexing to me because I think Andrew Shear has five children. Justin Trudeau has. Uh, three children like I, I I apologize I don't know about Singh and May and their um, if they have children they have connections to children I well, guarantee absolutely. it you can't be in this world very long without that's having at least right. some connection to a child that's right so May 15th I was not a cancer mom May 16th of 2006 I became a cancer mom mm-hmm. and that's how quickly it is and it, you know it's all it's it seems like it doesn't matter until it's your child yeah. And you said it. People feel uncomfortable about it. It's not affecting me right now. I don't want to have to think about this. It's I, I don't want to have to deal with this. But yeah. If, As you say, though, right now. Yeah, right now. And, I, and I'm obviously, 
I would, wouldn't wish this on anybody, no. but the reality is it's going to happen. And uh, it is, there's 1,700 kids in Canada that are diagnosed every year. So 1,700 that are diagnosed, you got to remember these kids are going through years of treatment. And then so I'll give you a couple other statistics quickly is that over 85% of um, children that do survive will have long-term chronic illnesses from this. So if you take emotion out of it all, take emotion off the table because someone said, well, it's only 1% of all cancers that are diagnosed 1% is children. So if a child dies, they lose on average of 70, 75 years of life. An adult loses an average of 13. So take that into perspective. But then all the chronic health conditions that these kids are going to have over their lifetime and the amount of money that's going to be spent on them. It sounds cold, but let's for hey. If sometimes, it, if you boil it down to numbers, there are people who say, "Yeah, that okay." Now I can visualize right. this, and you just made us visualize it. Yes, you did. You just did that right there. Yeah. When you add up the the years, yeah. And then one of the uh, other side long term side effects can be a secondary cancer. So <laughs> these kids are surviving. Living through, you know, not, not all kids, um, but a large, obviously, over 85% mm-hmm. are living with chronic um, health conditions. By the time they're 45, they will have a chronic health condition. So they fought so hard to to um, beat this monster only to have to face it or something else that's life-threatening. It, it just, to me, it's illogical that we that we don't do something. Kim, thank you so much okay. for doing something yeah. Please, let's stay in touch. And certainly after the election, let's have another conversation. And uh, I hope we're having a conversation that makes you as happy as the day you (laughs) you found out that on page 15 of the liberal platform, there was something to make a difference. Yeah. So let's hope let's hope people start, you know, standing up and saying we're going to get on board. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Kim Vanderskelde in studio with us. You've been listening to the London Live podcast. Catch the show live on weekdays from 1 to 3.